steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Amen. Amen, amen. I'm blessed with an opportunity tonight. And I'm going to be different than normal, um, whatever that means. I get to teach tonight this thought, and I am teaching. I'm continuing the series that Pastor has led us in. And the, the thought tonight, the lesson rather, is this, the church family. The church family. Let's pray and ask God to bless this lesson. Savior, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, I pray that it is imparted tonight rightfully, that it is divided correctly, and that it falls upon the ears of hearers that won't be hearers only, but doers of your word. Bless this lesson tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Um, just on the onset, um, I enjoy teaching, and when in working with youth, um, I enjoyed Sunday mornings greatly, and uh, I got to teach a lot, a lot of the Word. As a matter of fact, Sister Morgan Fields, I'll be using your skills tonight, so if you can, I'll try and wait on you, but we will be putting some scriptures on the board, and uh, just follow along with me. I will give those to you, but what an honor it is to teach to such a well-versed congregation, but it never gets old. Acts 2.38 never gets old. The plan of salvation will be as, as alive as I am standing before you yet the more because it is the plan of salvation. And we preach Acts 2.38, and we preach about the promise for a reason. And we'll get a little bit into that tonight. But I'm talking about the church family. What does it mean to be part of a family? Now, I'm not saying a part, A-P-A-R-T, a part of a family, but part of a family. Families are very important. Families are the foundation of a church. Strong families equate strong churches. Not all of us have come from strong families. Not all of us have that blessed opportunity. So what does it mean to be part of a family? And looking around today, there are many families in the church. And uh, many families that have been around for quite some time. Many families that have worked together and that have prayed together. and Have, have worked in this place to get us to where we are today. And it doesn't stop here, but it keeps going. And those families have had children who now are working in the kingdom. And the kingdom of God advances and it moves forward. And that, that happens because there is this vehicle called family. Family, the family unit. What does it mean? 
Um, there are strong families in this church even, and uh, we can name a few. And you could, I remember when I first came to GBFPC 25 years, 26 years ago, I think. Condrens, the Newtons, they were everywhere. You better watch who you talk about because they're going to be related. They're going to be related. And uh, there are huge families in the church that made the church what it is. And across this congregation, there are many families. And, and I admire the family unit. I have family in the house of God today. I admire watching families that spend time together, that hang out together and, and spend the holidays together or, or spend just the weekends or go out to the beach because being part of a family is important. There's love there and there's, there's things there that provide for the family. I like watching the Johnson brothers, Seth and Trent and Jordan. They're always going out, hanging out, hunting together. That's cool. It reminds me of my two brothers, one of which is here tonight. It, it reminds me that family is important, and we should always keep it important. And, and that being said, the church family is important. And we indeed are a family. And this family was built upon the blood of Jesus Christ. For had he not died... We would not have this opportunity to be adopted into this family. Amen? And so a church needs to be healthy as a family. Reading from the passage of Scripture today, how did the, how did the family start? What initiated the church family? We spent much time talking through these lessons about the infilling of the Holy Ghost and being baptized in Jesus' name, being baptized into the family to get to this point, the church family. So how did it start? We know that in the beginning, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says that, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. This is Jesus telling them there's something big coming. Telling the disciples, there's something on the horizon, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This is what they're waiting for. The disciples, they go. And in Acts chapter 2, a powerful, powerful chapter in the Bible, we teach so passionately that these disciples gathered together in an upper room. And they're praying. And they're seeking this promise. In Acts chapter 1 verse 4. They want to know, what is it that you're going to give us? And you know the, the story well. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house that they were setting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
And I really like the next few verses because it talks about the different types of people that were there. People that were around, that heard this clamor, that heard this, this amazing infilling of the Holy Ghost as it, as it spoke in different languages through those that received it. And to go on, it says, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. So devout men out of every nation come together. Here is this promise being fulfilled in an upper room. Where were these devout men from? Verse 7 goes on to say, And they were all amazed and marveled, saying, One to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? They only know one language. And how hear, we, how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? There's Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and they were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Because we all know when you get full of liquor, you get smarter and speak a second language. <laughs> we know how Peter rebutted that statement. He said, These men are not drunken as ye suppose. They were filled with this promise talked about. In the beginning of Acts chapter 1 verse 4. This promise of the Holy Ghost. This promise that caused all of these disciples and these 120 people in an upper room to become united in faith. And this actually is the birthday story of the church. This is where the church began. This is the earliest accounts of how the church was born, and we take this and we preach it often. The church is important. And might I just stop here and say, I'm thankful today that in the midst of all the confusion and chaos and, and all, of, all, of, all of this stuff that's happening in our world, that there's a church that we can come to. Hallelujah. There's a family that we can be a part of. Hallelujah. It's the family of God. Hallelujah. I'm thankful today for the church. And that's how it began. And so we read on a little more. And in our opening verses, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, to the end of the chapter, we discover that these disciples, they, they began to form the church. And, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, to, ever, to whomever had a need. And they were breaking bread and they were spending time with each other. And the church grew. The church grew because there was a family that was formed, that was dedicated to making sure the kingdom of, the, of God and the gospel was spread. And this family was functioning well together. And there was no partiality. People were being added to the church daily. 
such as should be saved. I have a mother-in-law, and she is incredible in this area. I think she has how many? 16 foster children, Kelly? 16 plus, I know. And uh, she's even adopted three of them who currently live with her now and are on their way to college and high school. And these are children who uh, they came from the foster system. Their parents weren't able to take care of them. They lost them because of incompetence or because of a lifestyle that wasn't conducive to the safety of children. And my mother-in-law, she took them in. And they have lives now, and they have goals, and they have a family that loves them. A family that, that wasn't their original family. And that's how the house of God should really be. When we take in people, and they become saints of God, and they get full of the Holy Ghost, and they, they start living right. We shouldn't judge them based off their past, or what statistics say they should have been. But now they are a part of the family of God. And that same blood that fell from my master's flesh wasn't only for me, but it was for them. And they have a special call on their life. And how can we as the family of God create a culture and an environment that elevates them? These foster children that had no name now have the only name under heaven applied to their life. How can we help God's kingdom be be strong through them. It's by being a family. And I don't know how some of you feel whenever you hear the word family. The thoughts that may go through your mind of a dark past or an abusive parent or even just a hard life growing up financially. Or maybe in your mind family was something that is just a peaceful, a place you can come to. A place you can relax. You know there's safety there and provision there. Same should be in the house of God. And we spend much time preaching the word because the word is something that breaks the yoke. And we come in here and we're all tight and we all have effects of the world on us. But we're trying to grow the family. And so the word has to come forth across this pulpit to help us break our carnal nature. So that we can be a strong family. A strong family. The first church, how could we describe them? They were a church that was working together. They were sharing everything. They were preaching the same thing. They had all things common. They were excited about their God, our God, this Jesus who infilled them with his spirit. And they're excited about telling others and, and, they're, and they're just this huge family that's working together. They're praying and they're teaching apostolic doctrine. They're fellowshipping together. They're breaking bread, which could be symbolic to the Last Supper or communion. But it also could be symbolic to fellowshipping and meals, which stand like support beams. Amen under whatever the church did. And we still carry that tradition. You know, what is church without food and fellowship? Amen. So we have Cafe 43. We bring a little breaking of the bread to bring the fellowship. What's that all about? Making money? No. 
trying to show off our new cafe. No, not at all. That's just a place for the family to come. It's another area that the church family can grow and fellowship. And you don't even have to like chili dogs. You can just come and sit down and talk to someone that you never met before and make a connection that you never knew could be something so powerful because that's what the family does. We grow each other. And so the first church, they're praying together. They're breaking bread together. And during this unique time of the church's foundings, believers broke bread daily, shared their resources to care one for another. To care one for another. Think of your children. As ornery as they can be sometimes, they need you. Their life depends on how you nurture them, how you feed them, how you take care of them, what you, what you do for them, how you spend time with them. This is what the first church did. The truth of the matter is, though, that this church, even the first church, was made up of flawed human beings because it's made up of people. And anywhere there is people, there's going to be flaws, flawed human beings who made mistakes. And not everything was perfect. Not everything was dandy. But they were committed to fellowship. And they were committed to unity. And they were committed to making sure God's mission and gospel went to the world. If we could put up on the board Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse number 25. Don't let the silence hurt you. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. How did Jesus Loved the church. What did Jesus do because he loved the church so much? He gave himself for it. Jesus loved the church and he knew that this church had to be formed. And so he died for us on Calvary. He gave his own body that we would have a church family. And he relates this relationship like a husband and wife. And husbands, yes. We need to love our wives, and we need to make sure that we're supporting our wives with everything we have, much like Christ loved the church, and he gave that example. And this is how the family of Christ grows. He loved the church so much, he gave his life for it. And this relationship makes us part of 
the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 30 says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. What kind of, what kind of church does Jesus want? He wants a glorious church without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. And we look around and there's flaws we can see in our own lives. There's flaws everywhere you go. The church is made up of flaws. But if we keep the love of Christ first and we remember that, hey, God loved me so I can love you. Sometimes, you know, when you're going and you're offended or, or you see problems in the church, you really need to put the brakes on and consider your own self and how much God forgave you. It's really, it's really humbling to recognize that God loved you so much, sir and ma'am, that he died for you. There's some testimonies in this house that some people probably wouldn't even tell you about of, of where God brought you from. And it's humbling to know that God loves you just as much as he loves the next person and he spilled as much blood for you as he did for your brother as he did for your sister we need to be emulators of that kind of love of that kind of mercy why is that important why is that so elementary it is elementary it's the basis of church family it's the basis of becoming the body of Christ the body of Christ is essential we are all members of the body of Christ. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. God has this perfect plan. If you put that on the board for me, sis. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10. It says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is that which was lost. The Son of Man came to save the lost. The church is built of the lost. You were lost. You weren't perfect when God found you. You didn't have everything all together. You didn't drink your cup of tea with your pinky up. You didn't have all things all together. God went to seek and to save that which was lost. And today, I'm thankful that the church house is not filled with perfect people. And there's a lot of good people in the house of God that are close to perfect. And we should aim to be perfect. Not, not aim to be better than somebody else. Not aim to look better than somebody else. Not, not, not try and, and, and be a better status than somebody else. We should just strive to be like Christ. To be a servant like he was. And that is where you'll find perfection in the keep on trying, striving thing to be like Christ. Hallelujah. And when you do that, you, 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 you understand that this family, we, we can work together. And God, it's, all, it's his whole purpose to put this lost world together and to bring as many as we can to heaven. We shouldn't step in the way of God's family. There shouldn't be any schism in the body. For we are all part of the body of Christ and members in particular. Amen. Put for me on the board John chapter 13 and verse 35. I have to move quickly here so I can get the rest of this amazing lesson out. So much content. It says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If ye have love 
one for another. Do I have to love sister so-and-so? Yes. Do I have to love brother? Yes. Because I want to be a disciple. And the only way that I'm known as a disciple is how I love my brother. That's what the scripture says. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. You can't come to the house of God and attain uh, whatever you need from Christ fully if you have bitterness in your heart towards your brother. If you have hatred in your heart for someone across the aisle from you and you never talk to them because of something that happened a long time ago, that is not the will of God. That is not the blood of Christ. That is not mercy. You are not being an effective disciple when you harbor things in your spirit that go against the grain of the Word of God. We need to be lovers of mercy. Amen. We need to show mercy. Hallelujah. Have you ever had to show mercy? Yes. Have you ever been wrong? Yes. Have you ever offended your brother? Yes. Have you tried to make that right? Yes, because I want to go to heaven, and I want my brother to go to heaven with me. I'm sorry, but hell is a horrible place, and if we could see it, we would tremble, and we, I don't even know if we could, we could live. I don't want my brother to go to hell. I want him to go to heaven with me, and how can I do that? I'm going to show the love of Christ to him. Amen. So we ought not hold bitterness. We are called to live in this Christian life together. Amen? Amen. You can look out through the New Testament and you will see that there were many problems with the New Testament church. That's why there's all these letters written to the Corinthians and and to the Romans. These are letters to, to, to help solve problems to the church. The church needed help. The church needed love because it's part of the family of God. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 2. Scripture says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens. Probably the greatest moves of God that I have seen work in my life haven't been in my life necessarily, but it's been in those moments when I've worked with a brother or I worked with a sister and I helped pray for them and a situation that they were going through. I was a brother to them. And even though I don't feel like I was the most capable, I did my best to love with all my heart and, and to pray and to be a help meet for them and to show them the love of Christ. And I, I, I tried to bear a burden of someone else. And you can see it in the house of God. Secretly, there are people all across this room tonight that you help bear the burdens of someone else. And that is truly what a disciple needs to do. I'm talking about the church family. How can we strengthen the kingdom of God? By becoming a better church family bearing one another's burdens. Hallelujah. We need to learn how to love each other and to live in unity. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse number 25. The scripture reads in this fashion. Once I get there, it says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, 
all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. I always give this analogy, or I, I used to always give this analogy, but, you know, the body of Christ, no one really wants to be the pinky toe or maybe the knee. Everybody's trying to be the eyes and, and the ears and the mouthpiece and the hands and the feet. And you really don't know much about those uncomely parts until you are waking up in the middle of the night to go get you a glass of water because you have you know, a dry mouth and, and you got your socks on only or maybe you're barefoot and you turn the corner too sharp in the dark lit, lit room and you whack your pinky toe on the baseboard. And all of a sudden that pinky toe is the most important part of your body. You don't look at it as it's sitting there in pain all curled up and full of fungus. You don't curse it. You stupid pinky toe, what are you doing? You got in my way, I was going to get water. You don't do that, but you probably, your mouth screams out loud. Oh! Your eyes close and open. Your hands go down and massage that pinky toe. Right? You rub it. You get mad at the baseboard. Who put that there? Right? But you don't get mad at the pinky toe because it's part of the body. And it's an uncomely part, something you don't see much. But it's very important. Without that toe, balance would be greatly compromised. Little known to us, it has a major, major function in the body of Christ. So living in a family is harder than you may think. And yes, church is God's plan for the world. And church contains believers who are filled with the Holy Ghost. But we're still human beings. And we need to seek to live together in unity. And we need to recognize the possibility that people who make up the church are not perfect. So life in the family may sometimes not be perfect. We should never let those things, those indifferences, stop us from loving each other. Stop us from coming to the house of God. I have a brother here tonight. He didn't know I was going to tell this story. My baby brother, Chris. I can remember in Baxter Springs, Kansas, me and one of my best friends, it was a summer day, we were sitting on the couch, and the front door was open. You could see outside, and uh, it was porch life. It was open door all the time, and, uh, you know, we didn't have anything better to do, so we started picking on Chris, calling him names, and, and uh, there were dolls that, you know, I knew I'd name him after these dolls I would see on commercials, and he did not take kindly to it. Uh, Chris has a three strikes, you're out rule. And uh, it's good to know because if he tells you three times and you don't listen, then he's going to get upset. And this started, I don't know if I ingrained that, if it, that, that's my fault. But I remember we were making fun of him. We were calling him names, and he was mad, and he was throwing a fit. And I think I was in a freshman, so he was probably in sixth grade. And uh, no, he was in third grade. And uh, he was mad, and we were just having a good time with him. So then... He flipped his lid. 
He reached in the kitchen drawer. He grabbed spatulas, and he's, cha- he's hitting me with spatulas. And he had, he had a bow, an old recurve bow, and he's hitting me with the bow. But really what caught my attention was is we thought it was all over, and I'm sitting on the couch, me and my friend, and, and uh, the front door is open, and I see Chris, like a ninja, jump in front of the door. And he looked at me with anger, and he threw a dart at me. And it stuck me in the shoulder. And I knew then that I had crossed the line. Well, that's my brother. He threw a dart at me. I should write him off or beat him up, pummel him. But I can't because he's my brother. He's part of my family. And I love him. He's here today in the house of God, Brother Frost. Amen. Part of the body of Christ. And there are people that have hurt you, not only physically, but maybe emotionally. You don't write those people off because they're an important part of the body of Christ. And I wonder sometimes what would happen if we could put aside our differences. Is this good today? I know this is different for me. Is this good today? This is teaching of the Word of God, of the, of the, of the church family. But what would happen? What would happen in the house of God today if we learned what it was, and I won't be too much longer, if, if we learned what it was to have love one for another? We could read in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, a very popular chapter talking about love. And it uses the word charity to replace the word love. And it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or as a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity is this, it suffereth long, it is kind, it envies not, it vaunteth, it vaunteth not itself, it is not puffed up, it doth not behave itself unseemly, it seeketh not her own, it's not easily provoked. Charity thinketh no evil. Verse 5, doth not behave itself unseemly, seemly, seemly, seemly. Seeketh not her own. I'm reading it again. It's not easily provoked, and it thinketh no evil. Rejoice, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So when you say you love your brother, think of this chapter, charity. We have to have charity. We have to be patient. We have to endure all things. Christ died so that the church could have a family. And that family's important because we emulate the 
the body of Christ, the love of Christ, how a family should act. And when the family is getting everything right and together, and when we're praising God and having favor with each other and all the people, the Lord's going to add to the church daily. Amen? You don't want to invite somebody to a dysfunctional family. When you invite people to the house of God, you want the family to have everything in order. You want to be able to talk good about your brother and your sister. You want to show them that this is the best place to go because there is love in the house. This is a this isn't sloppy agape, okay? This is the will of God. This is the will of God. The will of God isn't just so that I can come to church and so that I can be blessed and so that I can have good things from God and so that I can be financially stable and so that only me, only I, only this person can receive all the good things from God. No, no, no. The church is a family and I want to make sure that we are all going together. We are all blessing each other, one another. We are showing charity. We're making sure that the church is being lifted up. That is the will of God. If you're a disciple... Show love. That's how you're going to prove it. Amen. Corinthians establishes this principle, this principle of love. Love can be an easy thing to say, but a difficult thing to show. We can say that we love one another, but if we harbor a critical or a judgmental spirit, We have not the love of Christ dwelling within us. And that, here's something very important. If we say that we love people of all backgrounds and of all ages and ethnicities, but we demonstrate discrimination or racial prejudice in our speech or in our actions, we don't have the love of Christ. It's easy to say. It's another thing to be. That's hypocrisy. Love isn't hypocritical. If we say that we love the poor or the widow and the orphan, but we don't make accommodations to support, to support and to provide for such individuals, we're not showing them the love of Christ. Christ came to the poor. He came to the broken. He came to the needy. And today as a church, that is our mission. We're going to the highways and the hedges. We're not just reaching the broken. We're reaching everyone. Why? Because we want the love of Christ that is in this place that we feel when we receive the Holy Ghost to be given unto them. That's why there's an amazing T-Rocket program. We don't try and hit the highest places in town, but we go to where we know there are children who are broken that need a Jesus in their life. Thankful for a Sunday school. I'm thankful for Sunday school teachers that spend their time with a broken group of people, and they're pouring out charity. Amen, amen. And I won't be too much longer. Brother uh, McAllister, if you would come, play a little something. We have to show the love of Christ. The church family is important. And I can spend a lot of time testifying about the church family, Brother Frost. Just just for me. And you all know that story. But I look around and I see people that have come from single mother homes. 
that have come from bro- broken homes, that have come from families that the enemy has tried to tear apart. You know, if the enemy can tear apart your family, he really does damage to the church and the house of God. And that's his goal tonight. And we're not edifying him, but he understands the power of a family. And I come from a divorced home, and there are many of you like me here tonight, and you can attest that that's a pain that will always be with us. And it wasn't our fault. But thank God there was a church. Thank God there was a lighthouse that was shining light on my rocky sea. And there was a family here. A family that showed and demonstrated love. I pause on purpose. Because I want to speak clearly without slobbering with tears all over the place. My mom's here tonight, but where would we have been if it wasn't for a church family? Brother Davis, you have stories of when we first come, you always tell me about when my mom and my stepdad came to the house of God. We were broken people. Mom, we were broken people. there was a family and I can remember a family brother Casey that was there for us there's a family still there for me today there's people in this room that have done things just for me and I I didn't have nothing to offer brother Frost who am I and I'm I'm not saying you should live for God because look at me. That's not what I'm trying to say. Because we can go down the line and name people in this, this house, Brother Casey, Brother Nate Reese, people that came from backgrounds, but because there was a church family that stood strong like a beacon in the night that loved each other and loved sinners. Praise God. I ask you today, I ask you today, What are you doing in the kingdom of God? Are you loving each other? Are you emulating? 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Are you showing charity? Are you breaking bread and having fellowship and and, 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 and giving to each other in the time of need? Well, now's your chance. Right now in the house of God as we stand together at the conclusion of this lesson. And that's what it was today. It was a Bible lesson on the church family. You could come into this house broken and hurt. And there's a family here today that will uplift you. You could come from a past of whatever. A financial background of whatever. And there is a church today. A family today that you can be a part of. He died for everyone so that they could be a part of the church. Are you thankful for the house of God and for the church this evening? As they sing this song, let's just worship Him. Find us.